Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. And welcome back. Moving quickly, I'm now joined by Sean Savet, Deputy Spokesperson, National Security Council. I have so many questions I want to ask you, but everybody around here is like, yo, bro, this, this has to be quick. So let's jump right in. Sounds good. Um, I want to go to the big areas that we are familiar with and just, you know, listen as you tell us Ukraine, uh, Israel, Gaza, all over the globe, it seems. Mm-hmm. Warfare, conflict, things of that nature. What's the role of the National Security Council vis-a-vis these these issues? Sure. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me on. It's uh, good to be talking to you today. Uh, the role of the National Security Council is to carry out the president's foreign policy count, foreign policy initiatives and to uh, interface between the White House, Department of State, Department of Defense, the intelligence community. We're a uh, coordinating arm to carry out the, the, president's, uh, the president's policies and uh, you know, responsibilities of protecting the American people, uh, you know, uh, rebuilding and investing in, uh, in our military readiness, restoring America's leadership abroad. Uh, in each of the areas that you named, uh, in Ukraine, for example, uh, when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine in uh, early 2022, President Biden pulled together this global coalition, more than 50 countries from across the world to, to stand up to, to Russia. To make sure Ukraine had what it needed to defend itself, to defend its uh, freedom and independence, we're doing that by uh, by investing in uh, American manufacturing. Here, we have uh, we've invested in uh, growing manufacturing and production lines in uh, nearly forty states across the country, producing uh, weapons and equipment that were given to Ukraine to defend themselves against the uh, atrocities mm-hmm. that the. Russian forces and Putin's army is committing there. Um, on uh, on Israel uh, and uh, the Middle East, uh, we're currently working uh, hard to achieve a, uh, a hostage deal, a temporary ceasefire that would uh, enable the uh, release of the 130 hostages that Hamas has been holding for more than 140 days to be returned to their family in exchange for some type of uh, uh, you know, sustained uh, pause in the fighting. Mm. We're also working hard to get uh, more humani- more humanitarian aid into Gaza right now uh, because so many people are, are suffering uh, as a result of this conflict, which Hamas started on October 7th and they attacked Israel. And, uh, you know, we have a, have a lot of things that we're working hard at every single day, working to protect the American people, keep them safe. Uh, I don't want to ramble on too much, though, before you go to your next question. A few, a few years back, um, there was a moniker created called Black Identity Extremists. How did that come about such that and you, you would have to go through the profile? Where did that come from such that black identity extremism became a target or a, seen as a threat, seen as a national threat? Take me into the thinking of how that happened. Well, I'm not uh, familiar with the, the term myself, uh, so I should say that at the start. Uh, but, but broadly speaking, uh, I, I know you had mentioned during the break you wanted to ask about domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, one of the things the president directed uh, once he came into office was creating the first ever strategy to counter domestic terrorism. And that was really inspired by what happened in, in, in Charlottesville, which is obviously a little bit different. That was uh, a bunch of uh, white supremacists and KKK marching through the streets in Charlottesville, uh, carrying torches uh, and shouting, Jews will not replace us. You know, that was something that President Biden has spoken about extensively as something he was horrified by. So he comes into office, he, he directs the, the creation of the strategy to make sure that uh, our federal government is uh, not only uh, monitoring this threat, which is, is really pervasively seen by lone, uh, lone wolf actors, uh, people who uh, tend to sit alone in their basement, spend too much time online, uh, you know, 
reading things online and getting radicalized, but preventing them from being able to carry out acts of violence. So making sure that we don't have, uh, you know, as a uh, readily available flow of guns and weapons on the streets, making sure that there's federal resource sharing. So we're offering uh, grants to uh, churches, to, uh, you know, houses of worship, to schools, so they can do better security training and so forth to protect against the many acts of domestic uh, terrorism that we've seen in the last few years alone. So let me ask you one quick question. It might be unfair. You might not have enough space for it. So I, I was looking at the fact that there is a national strategy mm-hmm. to address anti-Semitism. Yep. There's a declared national strategy to address Islamophobia. Yep. There's a declared national strategy um, at the time to address any acts of violence or intimidation against LGBTQ communities, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a national strategy to address Mm -hmm. anti-blackness when the hbcu threats happened like nobody declared the national strategy for anti-blackness is there a reason for that i see it when it's coupled with a lot of other dynamics but Mm -hmm. i've never seen a standalone as a declared thing that needs to be addressed specifically it's a very good question and a very good point. So one of the priorities President Biden, uh, when he ran for office, talked about the rise in, in hate in America. And, and he loves, and, you know, he's fond of saying that, you know, he, he thought hate goes away, but unfortunately he was wrong. It just hides. And I think that has been uh, a core to his message when he talks about restoring the soul of America. And when he came into office with, uh, you know, this countering domestic terrorism strategy, unfortunately, a lot of the instances of domestic terrorism we've seen have been, uh, Acts of uh, violence against uh, against black people, anti anti black violence. Uh, we we think about uh, you know the the shooting at the supermarket in Buffalo, Buffalo for instance. Right. Yeah, it just comes to mind right away. And we have was, enough acts. Oh yeah, I'm just not <laughs> sure yeah. why we don't have a national strategy mm-hmm. because we have the acts. Sure. So I'll, I'll tell you that it's uh, it's a priority of the Homeland Security team here is is uh, protecting black communities against uh, against violence, especially hate fueled violence. So you mentioned the HBCU bomb threat uh, that happened last year. So when we start first uh, learned reports of that, you know, we, we heard from uh, from HBCUs. We saw it in the news immediately. The Homeland Security Advisor here at the White House, the President, asked her to look into it to assemble a team to make sure that we were offering resources to HBCUs uh, uh, to ensure that they knew how to you know how to report these threats and made sure they had a, a line of uh, of communication uh, to law enforcement at the highest levels and make sure that we were providing them with the resources to uh, protect their uh, their schools and their communities and so i know that was uh, you know a real priority here at the white house and uh, more broadly speaking uh, you know protecting uh, uh, protecting uh, black people protecting communities of color from this hate field violence is, is absolutely a priority for the president i really do wish we had a lot more time to speak and, and talk about these matters because this is the area of interest for me, but I'm getting the signal that says, Sean, oh, now I'm getting a different signal that says, can you keep chatting? That's great. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, so take what constitutes, mm-hmm. what goes into the threat assessment process? Sure. What makes someone or an entity or a thing a threat? And then also what goes into the threat victimization process? How are you targeted as someone who would commit Mm-hmm. or a group that would commit a threat so that it receives high priority mm-hmm. and then warrants a national strategy. Sure. So uh, a lot of this work begins within the intelligence community, uh, begins law enforcement agencies, looking at uh, the broader trends of what they're seeing. Uh, analyzing the data, and one of the uh, one of the taskings actually from the strategy of national uh, to counter uh, domestic terrorism that I mentioned earlier was to ensure that we are categorizing acts of domestic terrorism, make sure that that's tracked, so that we have the information and the data. 
And then once uh, intelligence analysts are able to, to put pieces together, they see a trend line, whether it's bomb threats against HBCUs or you know other uh, community organizations or, or uh, uh, places of worship, and they, they see this as becoming uh, more of an emerging threat, then we can assign resources to it that gets uh, that gets flagged, for lack of a better term, uh, within law enforcement, within the intelligence community. Uh, then they, they will develop some type of uh, basically what's called an intelligence community assessment, where they uh, they warn based on the you know the data they're seeing, you know just how concerning is that, and from there, law enforcement uh, resources are then divvied up on the, the federal level. Now, every I mean our, our Network of law enforcement—it's it's, it's federal, state, local. Uh, you know, it's not the the, the White House is, is obviously not involved in individual law enforcement decisions and is not uh, doling out. Uh, you know, telling law enforcement how to allocate their uh, you know their uh, priorities. But we we do uh, ask for money from Congress every year that we can then channel into grants that can then go towards uh, specific types of organizations that we believe are a greater threat. And so that's the broader process of how it works here. So I'm a black male. I'm a parent of black males. I live in a city. Most of my work is with black males. Here's my question. My, my, my concern is that when you look at terrorism and how you, how, how the national strategy identifies mm -hmm. a potential terrorist, sure. it talks about young men of a certain age mm -hmm. who are often disenfranchised, yeah. who are often marginalized, who feel like they're being persecuted and, and, then they get quote unquote radicalized, mm -hmm. right? So there's this profile and that profile sounds a lot like me <laughs> and the young men I work with here. My concern is that the way that society is structured lead, could potentially lead to many young black males being labeled as domestic terroristic threats. How do we make sure that the approach to counterterrorism does not unfairly impact incarcerate black males? It's a very good question. And uh, obviously, if we're going to talk about systemic racism, we could talk all day about that. Uh, and that's not a, a quick answer. But what I can say, at least on the, the federal level, as uh, the National Security Council here, as we look at... Uh, domestic terror threats, the category the FBI uses is REMV, racially motivated violent extremists. And the vast majority of the REMV targets that they see uh, are not black males. They are uh, they are two categories. It's one, it's, it's usually white supremacists more than anything else, but people who are driven by some type of racial animus and, and hate to commit some acts of, uh, of terrible violence, Buffalo being an example of a, of a, REMV, uh, a REMV shooting. Uh, we also, the more uh, famous example in the late 20 teens was ISIS. Uh, you know, you, you had uh, people who were being radicalized at home. Uh, they were seeing on social media videos from the Middle East of ISIS beheadings and so forth. And then uh, from there, uh, that, you know, they getting radicalized, that becomes a threat and something that we need to, we need to counter. But I can say at least on the federal level, the focus of our strategy against mass terrorism has not, uh, has been those two categories okay. primarily. Those are, uh, you know, the, uh, it's not, targeting any group of individuals, just targeting individuals who may commit acts of violence and preventing them from committing acts of violence right. that can impact other people. Well, I would like you to, when you get a chance, familiarize yourself with the black identity extremism phenomenon that was about three, four years ago and make sure that it doesn't manifest in a different coded way. But Absolutely. I appreciate your time. Sean Subet, Deputy Spokesperson 
of the National Security Council. We are coming up on a commercial break. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 